Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode, we turn once again to Associate Editor Chris Han in his most recent Personal Alliance interview with Jacqueline Roth, Director of Employee Benefits at Bolton. They discuss her early days as a voice in student government, the importance of communication and listening to the brilliant people around us, as well as her thoughts on moving the industry forward. Let's take a listen. We are here with uh, Jacqueline Roth, who is the Director of Employee Benefits at Bolton, based in Pasadena. And thank you for being here. I want to ask, are you a, a California girl at heart? Or did you grow <laughs> up in California? No, I grew up actually in Nebraska. Okay. In Northern California. So very uh, from an agricultural community. Okay. To start. And I came to California, Northern California when I was eight and then went to school in Southern California. Okay. All right. So your family moved when you were quite young. Yep. All right. All right. And um, I saw in some of your biographical material that you were elected student body president at <laughs> Champion Christian High School. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, I, have, I have to ask, I, I dove deep here, Jacqueline. I have to ask, <laughs> do you recall what exactly was your campaign platform? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I love this question. I remember part of my speech saying, I can't promise you cupcakes on your desk every morning, but what I can promise you is I will be your voice and I will represent you. And I, it's the only part of my speech I remember. I just remember wanting to represent a broader community at a really young age. And I loved that we got a period to just talk about what the students cared about. So it, I guess it started young for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great message to send. A very a very inclusive message. Yeah. Uh, uh, honest. You know, cupcakes every morning. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you aspire to any any higher office beyond uh, school body president at at uh, at your high school? You know, I went on to Azusa Pacific University uh, for my for undergrad. I was a major in communication studies and I was in student government in college as well. And I was the okay. office manager and I was kind of nervous to run for office in in college because I thought I just don't know enough people yet to rally the votes. And so I interviewed for a position because I thought I think I am a better interviewer than I am you know, whip, whip votes kind of gal. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> then when I found out that you could actually, um, you could earn more money and also influence people in different jobs on campus, then I uh-huh. moved, over, I moved to admissions and started, you know, giving families tours. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> So you're you're using you're you're still using uh, or you were still using all of your 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 political acumen that you've had <laughs> accumulated to that point. All of um, it. <laughs> uh, so um, when you moved to California, where did you move to? We moved to Chico, California. Oh, okay, okay. And why Chico? 
Well, I think my parents at the time, they brought three girls ages 8, 10, and 12 to California, and they wanted the least amount of like impact, the most comfortable transition possible. And I think Chico is as close to Nebraska as it gets. It's like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by that? It's just so, it's such a warm, welcoming community. A lot okay. of business owners, a lot of agriculture, a lot of, you know, a lot a lot of small town feel, um, but still having a college in town so that we could go to sporting events and be a part of that bigger community that was important to my parents. Okay. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great town. It's uh, it was a very comfortable childhood getting to, you know, run the streets until dark and yeah. city programs and stuff like that. Okay. In some of your biographical material, you mentioned that you have a passion for communication. So tell me about that. How, how does, how, where did that come from and, and how does that manifest itself uh, in, your, in your work? When I was really little, my parents told us girls, you each have different gifts and you each have a different calling to do something in the world. And, and we don't know what it is. That's up to you to, to figure that out and decide. And we're here to nourish it, shape it, you know, water, uh, water, whatever that is. And so I think I knew at a young age, I loved getting other people talking. I loved knowing where they came from, what they did all day, how they uh, got what they wanted in life. And so I think I knew that at a young age and I, I got a lot of positive reinforcement for being able to say things succinctly. I can certainly ramble <laughs> and I've learned that if you, I, I have this belief that you can say just about anything. If you say it well, if you have built in a trusting relationship so that people hear you and give you the benefit of the doubt when you're communicating. And I think that I had the chance to try that out as one of three siblings a lot as a kid. And so I think for me, when I, when I was thinking about college, I thought there's no other degree for me to pursue. I know business is the most logical, but I will learn business wherever I go. And I want to figure out how do I, how do I learn the skills to be the most effective communicator I can possibly be. So for me, I think I've had investment at a lot of the places where I've landed professionally. I think I've had the fortune of just being in a constant state of learning, whether that's on my own, whether that's you know, with other people in a classroom environment. I think the world is our classroom. I think we can learn every day because if you look around, there are brilliant people all around us. We have to be curious to lean in and listen to them so that we can learn from their stories. And I think the, uh, the rat race of life can be all consuming and we forget to look up and look around and just listen to people. So. Uh, the the game of communication fascinates me because it can open doors that I think we never thought were possible in terms of employment, opportunity, earnings, um, activities, how we want to live our lives. What strikes me is that you kind of had this figured out, uh, you, you had figured out the, the value of communication. Um, 
at the age of 18. And it's, it's probably something that took me about 60 years. So <laughs> you, you had it figured out at, uh, at a very uh, young age in terms of, of, uh, of why it's important and how you can apply it uh, anywhere you would go in your life. Um, so that's interesting to me. Thank you, Chris. I hardly had it figured out. I, <laughs> I had a ton of positive reinforcement. I've learned some things by risking uh, out loud where I've, you know, crossed boundaries that I didn't know existed uh -huh. and had, you know, suffered some of the consequences of, oh, yikes, I didn't realize I was pushing it too far there. And I think some of those lessons I did learn pretty young. So the boundary is a funny thing to think about with communication. I, I when you watch people risk certain things and they get, you know, slapped back, pushed back, you see a conversation and you're watching it and the sender and receiver just totally miss each other. I think there are just case studies everywhere in communication. And, and if we can just stop and not take it personally and look at what happened there, why did that conversation go off the tracks? I just think there's so much wisdom in tiny moments like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you had the awareness to understand the concept of boundaries as, a, you know, as opposed to uh, you know, exceeding a boundary and not realizing you were exceeding a boundary. You talked about leadership before and, and how important it is and what, a, what, a, what a, a, a topic of interest it is for you. So I wanna ask uh, with regard to your own management style, can you think of three words that your coworkers would use to describe your management style? I think they would say that I am clear, that I am enthusiastic. That's a sure one. And <laughs> <laughs> lastly, I think they would say What's a word that's in between pragmatic with a stretch? <laughs> I think they would think I'm reasonable. Um, reasonable and aspiring. I think, you know, as a leader, I always want to see where we can not drive to do better, but where we can exist and be and bring out natural qualities in ourselves and live fuller and richer. And in the overflow comes how we take care of other people. The business leadership lessons that you apply in the office, do you, do you see yourself applying them at home? You know, we have had such, we've had such awesome coaching throughout Bolton that after so many rounds and exposure to so many you know, ideas and philosophies and theories, some of them just plant in you and they become just your language. They become part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And you can see this, but my coffee cup says clarity. It's almost a joke because we'll say constantly in emails to each other, I need clarity. I need, I need more data is what I'm saying without sounding like a jerk. I need information to understand the why here. <laughs> and, um, you know, th things like language around what's the goal? What are we doing here? Because I need to know if we can validate why we spent this time on that. And if there's a goal, I can either check the box or not check the box, but I'll know, did we hit it or did we not? And so much of life we're looking back like, did, was that useful? Was that good? Was, did, was there a point? <laughs> the less wandering, it helps us, helps us live with a little bit more assuredness, I think. 
So my kids say funny things that I, I look at my husband like, oh my gosh, they're repeating something that I said. Ah, they're my, listening. My five-year-old, well, she turned six yesterday. She said to someone, I had a colleague over on Friday afternoon for a meeting that we did in person, but at my house. And she lives a few blocks away, so it's convenient to do that sometimes. And she came in and my daughter was playing with a toy and she said, oh, wh where'd you get that? Is that for your birthday? And she said, no, I set a goal and this was my reward. But don't worry, it, it was a big goal. <laughs> your daughter said that. <laughs> and I just, we both looked at each other and cracked up. Like they hear, they hear you and, and they're sponges for the language. And yeah, so yeah. She's, a, she's a goal setting five-year-old. And I think wow. she's that that one, Liliana, she's pretty compassionate and tender. When I hear her get firm with a goal, I just die. I crack up because she's a lot her dad, but her language sounds like her mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, great. Nine-year-old, it's a 10-year-old. When I hear her say things in the backyard with neighborhood kids, like, no, we're going to put a chain together. We're all going to have different jobs because then we can do it faster. Then we can do it better. Then we can. So she'll, I hear her ordering things and I just, go oh gosh what will they do with their lives <laughs> who knows that's a that's a future student body president there i believe <laughs> <laughs> tell me about what you'd like to do when you have your downtime uh what's 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 a perfect weekend look like for you oh a perfect weekend for us is, is definitely some degree of hosting I, there's not a weekend here at our house that we don't host something. Um, it's either college students, business associates, clients, family, friends. Somebody is always at our house. And I, I love a full, active, bustling house. Uh, I cook a couple of meals and uh, we enjoy some good wine. Maybe we make s'mores. I'm definitely challenging somebody on the Peloton for a long weekend ride. Um, probably to something that is not rated PG. So I have to put headphones on so my kids don't hear some of the terrible language in the rap songs that is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, going on a walk around the neighborhood, going somewhere new. We can't travel every weekend, but we definitely try to take advantage of living in such a pretty place that we we like to get out and see new places, discover new places. That sounds like a really busy weekend. We can't pick all of that. <laughs> it's one of those five day weekends. <laughs> it's a long weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, if you could change one thing about the insurance industry. We have so much progress to make when it comes to women in roles of senior leadership, executive leadership, and and sales. I told these eighth graders, there's so much money to make in the world. Just how do you want to make it? How do you want to earn it? And I think if I could wave a magic wand, I would create more diversity in our industry. Not simply in entry level positions. We have to be better at growing and grooming talent and finding it in different pockets. Because if I keep recruiting people that look just like me, I'm part of the problem. So I think we have a long way to go. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that because we're talking about it, a goal is present. 
there's knowledge, I think, and, and conviction that we've, we've got to be better. We've got to be better at figuring out how to look like our buyer and our buyer. They don't all look just like me and they don't all look just like my CEO. They look like people from different faith backgrounds, different walks of life, different skin, different language. So how do we get better at finding them? I think we have to be intentional about where we're hunting for people, where we're looking. What we're doing is we're asking our employees to help us solve some of the challenges that we face in talent recruitment, which is identifying people that don't come from, you know, my neighborhood or your neighborhood. It's looking for people at colleges outside of our neighborhoods and looking at where can we bring people into the industry. And if we bring in diversity at any level, step one is getting people that don't just look exactly like us. Um, step two is how do we identify high potential people, invest in them, train them, give, in, give them language to succeed, help them sit at a corporate table and feel comfortable being there and knowing that what they have to say and what they have to add helps us be better because we need to continue to change our view of how we see the world. And so step one is finding the talent, then we've got to hire that talent, and then we've got to know how to groom and develop and grow and really invest in that talent because people are built for learning we have to find them first and give them the opportunity to learn so i think it's an industry opportunity it's a problem we're solving that's language we use is it a problem because there's a lot of problems in the world is it a problem we're solving <laughs> i think yeah it absolutely is that was chris han and jacqueline roth director of employee benefits at bolton thanks for listening and check out the rest of our podcasts at leadersedge.com Oh,